0: The greatest construction project that there is, is the uh, building up of the Church of Jesus Christ. And the builder is the Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder it's the greatest. But we also saw that church is not a human invention, but it's not apart from human intervention. The Lord is building, but there is an involvement on our part. Uh, with that insight, we explored from Ephesians chapter 4 just as an introduction. We wanted to ask this question. How is it that you and I be, how can we be involved? If this is the greatest thing that there is happening, Why? how, how can we miss out? We need to be part of it. And so that's, reason why we're looking at chapter four we call these sermon series let's build together it's part of our theme for the year and uh, personally i mean if you ask me i would like it to be either or the lord builds it and i watch it or i build it and the lord gives us a commendation you know you've done a good job but it doesn't seem like that i mean i i, I think of it as um The either-or is, uh, you know, when Joyce and I try to cook together. Uh, Her cooking style is different from mine. She likes this home-tried recipes. She cooks well. It's great. If you come home, we'll give you a good meal. Good meal. Me on the other hand I don't like following recipes I like to experiment it's all what comes to my head and it's uh, sometimes uh, an experiment it's uh, you know it's a high risk meal and so we have a rule uh, in the kitchen there's only place for one person at on the counter it's either or it's either she cooks or i cook and yet when it comes to the church the lord is the builder and there is this privilege, this joy, this opportunity. And God says, come on, join in this great work. So one way of looking at this grand work is that this is a mandatory invitation. God's inviting us to join in on, in, in his work, in his work party, as it were. Come on, join in, he says and ephesians 4 then is the job profile what are the expectations like if you are to be a co-laborer with jesus christ these are the expectations what your character ought to be what your conduct ought to be what your commitment ought to be that's what we read in ephesians 4 and it's mandatory And I want us to understand this. This is is not an option, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to be part of this work that's happening. Or let me put it another way, as we look at this chapter, chapter 4, it's like entering into a construction site. Not sure how many of you have been into a construction site i remember when blower one was being built during break i would go there and i'd be watching for as many minutes i can uh, get out of my lunch break because they're dug down like i don't know 20 stories down and uh, like there were tiny people those you know when i'm looking from ground level i was just fascinated But when you enter a construction site, there are certain things that you have to keep in mind. There is a protective gear, the PPE as it's called, protective personal equipment, or something that you have to wear. And there are certain precautions you have to take. And last week we saw what are some of the things that we need to get on, have, before we enter into the construction site. And if you will remember, we said those are the three L's. Remember, remember the first one, L for lowliness or humility, long-suffering, long suffering and love, right? So we said uh, lowliness, which is humility, long-suffering, and patience, and love with forbearance. These are essentials. We get this on. But today, we want to see that there are certain precautions we have to take when you get into this, into this construction site. If you go into a warehouse, for example, you would see there's this yellow line that's laid out, and it says, don't stick to the left or to the right, depending on where that yellow line is, and you can go past it. There's certain precautions you have to take. It's a construction site. And so we want to see what these expectations are, uh, that we that we have to follow so i'm i'm going to read ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 6 again i therefore a prisoner for the lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, through all and in all. Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord, understand your word. Your spirit has to teach us, Lord. Feed us, feed our souls. We need to be encouraged. We need to be strengthened. We need to be built up. And so we thank you for answering our prayers in Jesus Christ, our Lord's name we pray. Amen. So our objective today is twofold. We want to answer the what is and the how is question. What is? What does it mean by the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? And how is? How do we keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? So that that, those are the two questions. If we can get that, grapple with that, uh, and um, we pray that God would be glorified as we, um, as we hear his word and we commit to, uh, to follow it. So the first one is, what does it mean? What does it mean when we say keeping the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? So what I want to do is I want to look at those three parts in that phrase, keeping, the unity of the spirit, and the bond of peace. All right, so first is keeping. Now, you might have different translations, and in those different translations, you have different words. One, you might, it might say being diligent. Being diligent means be intentional. Be, it emphasizes effort. Being intentional, being diligent. Or your translation might say guard, guard it. It suggests safekeeping. You know what it suggests when it says guarded? God is not saying to us that we have to create unity. It is not something that we create. God has given us unity. We have to guard it. We have to keep it. That's what, it, that's what the word guard would be in its meaning. And then it says endeavor. One of your translations might read endeavor. Endeavor to keep it, to keep on. It's the idea of haste, urgency. There's this need to keep To keep, maintain, persevere, be diligent. Then it says, then the second part, which is the unity of the spirit. I just love that. This is the unity of who? The spirit. It's the unity of the spirit. It's not the unity of friendliness. It is not, you know, it's not anything else. But just, I want to give you... I want to give you four different uniqueness about this unity. All right, so that we can we can just we can just be so thankful to God of what we have in Jesus Christ. First of all, I want us to understand this: that this unity is the prayer that Jesus Christ prayed for. In John chapter 17, if you will turn with me to John chapter 17, John 17. In John 17, now, how, how many times have you do you read that the Lord had, has prayed in the Gospels? Do you know how many times the Lord has prayed? We, we, we don't really count it, but how many times do you read the actual words of his prayer? Do you know? This is the only one, John 17. This is the high priestly prayer of his actual words of prayer. So, uh, look with me from verse twenty. I want to. I want to read to you from verse twenty to twenty three, and this is what it says: I do not ask for these only. That is the disciples. His disciples. I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me, which is us, through their word. That is through the faithfulness of the gospel, so that they, the word that they would pass on, that we would not believe, that they may all be. Would you tell with me, say with me, one, that they may all be one. Okay, that's about the unity. Just as you, Father, are in me and are in you, this comparison between the Father and the Son, this oneness is the oneness that the Lord Jesus Christ is praying. That they may be in us. That's the goal of redemption. And I say that we would be one with God, so that the world may believe this is the reason. Our unity, therefore, will help the world understand that you have sent me, that the, the purpose with Jesus came down to the earth is going to be seen because of the unity which is there among his people. It goes on to say, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. This is the enabling, this is the power through which this uh, spirit, the the. Unity can be maintained that they may be again what? One. That they may be one, even as we are one. It's the comparison. The Father and the Son unity is the unity that we can enjoy. I and them, you and me, and they may be perfectly one. Why? Again, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. You see, the unity, this uniqueness of this unity is this, that they would know who Jesus is, the deity of Jesus, the purpose with which he came, and that world will see that God loved us and loves us. The unity of the Spirit. Again, we said it's the unity of the spirit. It is not by a natural spirit of friendliness. It's not a winning personality. You see, there are there are some of us who have this winning personality. It is possible to engage with them and to have this friendship and camaraderie with them. You, you, oh yeah, it can be. I, I can have unity with them, but you know, the bane of that is that that unity will be on our, in our own effort, in our own strength. This unity, unity of the Spirit, is not based on our likes and dislikes. This is divine. This is by the Holy Spirit. This is born upon by the fruit of the Spirit. The unity divinely produced in us. It's not because of this natural unity and agreement. But what God, the Spirit of God, would bring in us. So this is my prayer for us. May our unity not be based on the strength of our charisma. May it never be without the enabling and the energizing of the Spirit of God. May it not be built on human effort. For such unity will not set us apart from the rest of the world and we will not be an answer to the prayer of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want us to look at the third reason why I believe this unity is important. It's because this unity is only found among those who are filled by the Spirit of God. The unity of the Spirit. The unity unity is the result of fruit-bearing believers who have the indwelling Spirit and are filled by Him. Let me explain that. Let me explain. We need to get this, all right? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. But that in itself is not sufficient to be able to bear the fruit of the Spirit You have to be filled by the Spirit of God. The indwelling of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God comes into you when you become His child. He becomes resident in you. There's no commandment. You don't have to do anything except that you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But every day as you live, as you say, not my will but yours, as I live in submission and I break down all idols and my sin, they are laid aside. I say, Lord, would you be the president of my life, not just the resident, I love for his filling. To happen, This indwelling and the filling, both happening, is what leads to this unity of the Spirit. You see, when that happens, when the presence and the priority of the Spirit of God happens, two unlikely people, two people, and he says, how can this happen? How can they both be friends? How can they work together? You see, the world is going to notice and say, this is not natural. This is divine. That's the Word of God. But there's another reason, another thing that you need to notice about this unity of the spirit. The reality is to be maintained and it's a goal to be attained. It's a reality to be maintained and a goal to be attained. In verse 3 we read to maintain this unity of the spirit. But when you get to verse 13 it says till we all reach to the unity of the faith. So we have to maintain it and till we have till we attain it it seems like an either or but it's really a paradox scholars would say something like here and not yet that is it's ours we maintain it till we get there the unity of the spirit we'll we'll go into a little more detail once we get to verse 13 so we would have gone through a little more and that difference between maintaining and attaining becomes uh, easier but for now help us uh, it is good to remember that we are to endeavor we are to be diligent we are to be we have to be guarding this unity of the spirit in the bond of peace then you have the bond of peace the bond of peace. You see, when Paul is writing this, he is in prison. He is in chain. And so I want you to think about this as, as Paul says, a bond of peace. It's got both the imagery of restraint, because that's what a chain does, but it also gives you a little movement, right? You're not, you're not nailed, you're not stuck There is this movement and this restraint both happening. In this episode, again and again, we read that Jesus Christ is our peace. And here he says peace is a bond. And this is one way of looking at it. And he would say that the unity of the Spirit has its liberties limited within Jesus Christ. That this unity can only be maintained within Jesus Christ. He is the bond, like the ligaments of a body, that ties up, that hold us together. It's, it's because of who Jesus Christ is to us. Uh, keeping uh, the unity of, this, of the spirit and the bond of peace. But I quickly want to go on to the how how. How is this unity maintained? And what Paul does here is he gives seven elements of unity, seven fundamental truths based on which we can agree, based on which we can have unity. These are seven things in common. It's, you see, I want us to understand that the strength of these seven, which we have in common, is much greater than the potential differences that we can have. If we can agree in these seven, then we can have unity. That's what Paul is saying. And so let's look at it. The first one is what? The first one is? What's the first one, class? In verse 4, one body, one body. And that's the, you see, the body is the imagery of diversity. My, my hands don't look like my feet, but they all come different members under one head. Under one head, we're not all thumbs. You see, you see, one of the things that thumb does is that this opposing thumb is what makes us uniquely different, physiologically different from other animals. Thumb is important; that that helps us do a lot of things. But what if we are all thumbs, and suddenly it's not an advantage? And so, one body in in the Lord which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Spurgeon says it beautifully. He says it's the unity of the spirit, not the uniformity of the spirit. And that's what we find in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I just, when I think about this one body, what I think about it is the, that this is the grand design of the gospel. You see, in, in, in creation, God brings Adam and Eve, and he says you 'll become one, this oneness, but that oneness got impacted by sin, there was a fall, and that got impacted, but at the cross, because of the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter two of Ephesians, he says you know the, the, the uh, because of the uh, the the flesh in his flesh, he uh, lays aside if I can um Uh, But now in Christ Jesus, in verse 13, you who were once afar off are now brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments. And he has created in himself one new man. This newness, this oneness is now found in the body of Christ. The body. The second one is spirit. Spirit. This is the spirit of uh, the Holy Spirit. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you are not His. It's the spirit that unites us. It's the Holy Spirit who makes us who we are in Jesus Christ. It's the unity of the spirit. Then it goes on to say, that one hope that belongs to your call one hope of our call the calling is the same word as vocation our lifestyle it's just a calling it it's god who invites us we said that church is the greatest building project but you are invited by god it's because of him you have the opportunity to come near. And then there's a hope of his calling. So mm-hmm. get this, my dear friends. This is what it is. You know, you, you, you think that, you know, the salvation of our soul is great, and it indeed is, but God's not done. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, it says that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He is saying, you know, what's done is not just it. There's so much more. That's the hope of the calling. Calling is past. tense, And so the hope of the calling is in the future. He just brings this too beautifully. He says, man, there's nothing in this world that can excite us any more than this unity of the Spirit found because of this hope of the calling. One hope that belongs to your call. Listen to this. You're called and you're chosen. You are captive, you were captive, but now captivated. You were charged, but now changed. You were condemned, but now celebrated. You were compromised, but now cleansed. You were cursed, but now cured. You were contentious, but now content. You were cornered, but now consoled. You were common, but now complete. You were controlled, but now under a new commander. You were comfortless, but now you're to be conformed. It's a good time to say amen. This is what we have in Jesus Christ. A hope of calling it goes on to say one lord one lord see the lordship of jesus christ is a non-negotiable we will jump at it but paul writes it along with these rests and he says the lord jesus christ is we have only one lord they say the first century church Uh, from philippians chapter 2 verse 11 that was the that was the call they would say jesus christ is lord jesus christ is lord when they when they read the word lord when they heard the word lord two imageries came into their mind one is that of a master and of a slave they understood that lord and, and lord and master as we read in john chapter 13 but they also see the lord as the emperor the emperor was called the Lord, and, in, and as a Christ follower, in Jesus Christ, he is both our master and he's our king, and so he is Lord, he is our Lord. The uniqueness, the deity, and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ is the essential component of our unity. Then it goes on to say one baptism. Listen to this. You must be baptized into Jesus Christ. That's essential. That's the spirit baptism. You see, the spirit of God would take you and put you as part of the body of Christ. You have to be part of the body of Christ to be having any unity with, with Jesus and with the rest of the body. We're not baptized into a church. We don't baptize you to New Life Bible Chapel, but you are baptized into Jesus Christ. The waters of baptism, which is an expression commonly called the believer's baptism. It, it is to show what you have confessed that you now belong to the body of Christ is now what we will, compl- we will publicly attest. One baptism. It is not done by anyone else, but the Spirit of God uh, doing in your life as you confess Him as your Lord and Savior. Then it says, one faith. So the faith in Jesus Christ uh, is the, the only name, the authority whereby we can be saved one faith. Warren Wearsby says is the faith is the body of the basic doctrine the early Christians agreed on. Jude speaks about this, that the faith that was once delivered unto you all, that you contend for it. This the 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 essentials of who of what the Bible tells us about our faith. Uh, the r- reformers would call it the five solas. Scripture only, grace only, faith only, Christ only, for the glory of God only. Alright, so so the 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 one faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Then it goes on to say one father. This is not about the universal fatherhood of of everybody, you know, just because you were born, he is the father of all creation. But this, is, this episode is written to a church, a, a body of believers. And so to them, to these faithful saints, God is above all, he is through all, and he is in all through Jesus Christ. A, a, this is the Father to whom, uh, through whom we are all uh, gathered to. So the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And this unity is because of these seven essentials that we say that those are the basics that we can have common and we can find a unity in. But the question I wanna ask us is like, what difference does that make? What difference did you, does that make to you? What difference does that make to me? I want to give you two takeaways i leave some challenging questions. First is that our character and our commitment are critical components to church construction. We saw about our character. We said the three L's, the lowliness, the long-suffering, and love. And then we said the critical components. There is this un- unity in the spirit In the bond of peace kept through the seven, seven things. So I want to ask you two questions here. Question one, does the way I treat the members of the body of Jesus Christ bring tears to the head of this body? Second, when I act harshly, or say harmful things, do I under the conviction of the Holy Spirit come quickly to make amends and seek biblical forgiveness? The essence of the question is just this, you know, when I do something that brings tears to the head, when I recognize that under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, will I come quick? Will I be diligent? Will I guard? Will I maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? Second, we saw that there there is a maintaining till we attain of this unity. Maintain the unity of the faith till we attain to the unity of the Spirit till we attain to the unity of the faith. Augustine had this to say. This is commonly attributed to Augustine but it may not be true and uh, I think no sermon is complete till we put some Hebrew or Greek or Latin or whatever. So let me give you a little Latin on this. In necessaries unitas, in dubious libertas, in omnibus caritas. It means in essentials unity, in doubtful matters liberty, but in all things charity in essentials these seven essentials that we spoke about one body one spirit one hope of our calling one lord one faith one baptism and one father in essentials unity in doubtful matters liberty and in all things charity And the third question I want to ask is, what efforts will we take so that this unity that our Lord prayed for is maintained among us? I want to close with um, with with something that came in the news and um, that disturbed me on my trip to Israel. I was at the Church of Sepulchre, which is in Jerusalem, which is... uh, believed to be the place where Jesus was buried, and there's a church that's built on top of that. But uh, the Telegraph in 2002 ran this story. They said, Monks fight on roof of holiest place. You see, the conflict began when the Coptic monk, he moved his chair from direct sunlight to the shade to a part that belonged to the Ethiopian monks the uh, uh, unfortunately this conflict between these monks had been centuries old in 1752 the ottoman sultan had to issue an edict and divide the Church up into six between the Latins, the Greek Orthodox, the Armenian Orthodox, the Syrian Orthodox, the Coptics, and the Ethiopians. This church, which is supposed to represent the place where Jesus died and was buried and where he rose again, is still a place of conflict. And I want to quote to you what Telegraph had in that article. It says, As black clad monks threw stones and iron bars at each other. The Israeli police were called to restore order. Seven Ethiopian monks and four Egyptians were hurt and one of the Ethiopians was reported to be unconscious in hospital. The fight erupted over the position of a chair used by an Egyptian monk near the entrance to the roof. See when the church is divided the devil wins the world marks and the church is weakened but on the other hand when the church is united it's a power that can't be stopped. As Jesus said we get to see when it says the gates of hell will not prevail. That is my prayer for us. That in our weakness that we will urge ourselves to come with that diligence so that when they see the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, the world will have to ask, who are these people? May his name be glorified. Father, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for making the impossible happen. In our lives, we have experienced it. So we come today, Lord, as your people, urging and uh, encouraged and strengthened that what is difficult and impossible on our part, that you, oh God, who helps us, Lord, to come together as one body different and yet one united under the head of our lord jesus christ so we we pray today Lord, for this body this visible body of your church the visible uh, part of the body of church and we pray that that our presence here would be a light to this community even as some of us would go out to interact lord with with the community who would come out to place this multi-sports help us father to be the salt of the earth the light of the world and a city that cannot be hid. that the world would stop to ask that there is something so uniquely different and we can then say it is not us, not us, not us, not unto us, but unto your great name, be all glory and all praise for your steadfast love and faithfulness. Because of you alone, O oh God, that this church would be the, the the factor that shows of your love to us and that and that you would be glorified in this community. We thank you again. We thank you for all the heads that are bowed and for the great and wonderful work that you're doing in our lives. May it be to your glory, Father, in Jesus Christ, the Lord's name, and all God's people said, amen.